0: Thank you for listening to Quantum Healing Today, a healing podcast. Today, we are talking to Linda Maria Smith. She is the author of The Kings Are Coming, a multi-generational intergalactic odyssey. And we are also talking with Alan Steinfeld. He is the author of Making Contact, Preparing for New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. So welcome, both of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you.
1: Thank you, too, Great to be on the program with both of you.
0: Yes. First, let's talk about Human Origins Yes. Um, and the conference that's going to be coming up in May. Linda, let's let's hear about that. Thank you. It's
2: actually the third annual conference. Unfortunately, the second one was should have been the third one. COVID kind of messed that up for everybody, and we had to do it at virtual. But it's going to be the third annual conference here in Albuquerque. Uh, talking about ancient history, forgotten knowledge, human origins, extraterrestrial contact. We have tremendous group of people that are speaking. Um, Alan happens to be one of our guest speakers. Um, we have Dr. Shock also, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Brad Olson, George Haas, God, I feel like I'm gonna forget somebody. Cynthia Martin L Doctors Dr. Nyla Gilliam Oh my God, I feel I feel horrible that I'm forgetting people. But it's okay. it's going to be in Albuquerque at the Pyramid uh, Marriott, uh, May 13th, 14th, and 15th. So it's very exciting. Tickets are on sale right now. You don't want to miss it. The amazing people, what they have to talk about, it's it's just mind blowing.
0: Yes, I believe that we're going to be doing also a book signing, and early bird tickets are on sale right now. Is that right?
2: Yes, early bird is until. December, and, and then it goes this, up a little. What's the I'm, website? Sorry, what's the website? It's humanoriginsconference.com. Okay. If you click on program and then speakers, so speakers, Cynthia Martinell, Linda Moulton-Howe, Dr. Robert Schock, Maria DeAndrea, Vivian Chavez, Brooks Agnew, Preston Dennett, Michelle Gibson, Nyla Gilliam, Alan Steinfeld, George Haas, Dr. Rainier Hernandez, and Brad Olson.
1: Great, right. great. Good. I think it's a great cast of people. Oh, yes, definitely. You should get a couple of hundred people for this conference, at least.
2: I hope so. Our very first conference, we did have 200 people. So I'm trying to pull in more than that.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And why do you call it Human Origin? I'm just curious why you take that focus.
2: Uh, Because we've all been curious as to where we came from, where we're going, why we're here. And it started out as the, my husband started it many, many years ago when he was talking with, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. And it started out as the UFO Teachers Global Initiative. And then he contact he got into contact with someone from Australia and they started talking and they decided to change it to the Human Origins Conference And it kind of was at a standstill for a little bit. And then in 2017, I think it was, I finally just said to Richard, let's just start doing it. And we did. It's just, and it took off. We now have an official nonprofit human origins foundation, which is what the conference is under. And it's been somewhat successful i mean we've had three this we've had two conferences already so and
0: a lot of interest what is the website that people can check out this information human there are spots for vendors and sponsors yes, we as are, well we are looking for
2: sponsors vendors the vendor table link is on there the ticket link is on there I have tried to keep the prices as competitive as possible or as reasonable as possible because of the situation that we're in. Um, I'm I'm not being greedy. Most of the money that we spend on the conference has in the past come out of mine and Richard's pocket. You know, we, we do this out of love for what we're doing not to make any money off of it. We have never made any money off of it. So
0: Right. And so you take donations. Uh, do you still have the patron site as well? Yes. Everything is on
2: that website, com.
1: Right. Well, I think it's a really important topic, especially as we get closer to the government coming forward. Yes. We're not going to get the whole history from them, certainly, because no. we haven't gotten it. So we need scholars, people who have investigated this field, mm-hmm. like I have for the past thirty years to understand what is our origins. And if we know where we came from, we might be know where we're going and yeah. who we are and what our position is within the rest of the cosmos.
2: Mm-hmm. So exactly.
1: I think it's a great cause to, to thank you.
2: It's a very personal one too, because Richard and I are both experiencers since we were children. So it's been a lifelong question of mine where do I fit in? How do I fit in? Why was I chosen? Why was Richard chosen? Why were my children chosen as contactees?
0: Right. That's true. And then that's why that's what led you to your book here. Yes.
2: That is, that is a, an extraterrestrial biography. (laughs) what uh, What,
1: What is it about your book? It
2: is actually about my experiences my mother's experiences, our shared experiences, my children's experiences. Um, it, it started when I was a child and it has continued on to this day. And I'm 57 years old. So
1: it's 54 you're, years so far. You're still having experiences? Yes. Oh, really? Uh, like uh-huh. what What was, I'm just curious.
2: Um, the most recent The most, well, since the, since my mom passed away in 2005, the rest of them have now been um, more of it being me in a group of people um, where we're, I want to use the word preparing for what's coming. Um, I'm not just your average experience or anymore. I have moved up in the levels. I went through t- teaching. I've been initiated into what they call a sisterhood, a galactic sisterhood. So I have moved up in the ranks and now I have become part of the group that's preparing for the next level, the next contact. Um, my position has been always being an assistant to help the children whether it be hybrid children or the children here acclimate. Mm. There is, I personally feel, and I think I have been given messages in my experiences that there will be a time within the near future, maybe 10 years or so, that there is going to be more than just the humans on on Earth here. So there's going to, between now and then, is where I'm going to be helping the children that are coming from space learn how to live here. And vice versa.
1: Are, are these hybrids you're talking about? Hybrids? Yes. Yes.
2: So it's
1: partly our genetics as well as yes. The ET genetics. But
2: they've I, never lived on Earth, so they're going to need some uh, mentors, guidance, etc., to learn how to socialize here
1: on the planet. But. I feel like I'm one of those hybrids.
2: You more than likely are. I right? feel that I'm one of the- <laughs> Well fir- over here. <laughs> I think we're all, I think we, the majority of us are hybrids. It's just some of us haven't woken up yet. Mm-hmm. I've always known that I wasn't what I was told. I always felt like I didn't fit in here. I am, from what I've been told, I'm part of the first wave that came here because I'm a 60s baby. I was born in the early 60s. And then there's been waves of hybrids over the years. My daughter, who's 26, is one of them. Her her twin was actually taken from me. They were split up. So
1: You gave birth to twins?
2: I did not give birth to twins. I gave birth to one. The other one was taken when I was about 14 weeks pregnant. And then I was shown that baby three to six months later.
1: Does your daughter feel a connection to that other being?
2: She's she's always had it's it's I write it all in my book it's very oh, detailed right. but um okay. it's when she was younger she used to talk to at what I thought at first were her imaginary friends and then I finally asked her in front of my mother one day because I wanted to have a witness I said who are you talking to and she said Cadis and Betis. She had a group of oh she had their names she had Cadis, Betus, Radis, and she was about three or four, but since she was the youngest, um, she was, I think, a little more advanced than a normal three-year-old. And then, and she didn't know if she had a twin at least at that time. I didn't talk about it. And she said, "And KB is my sister," and that's what floored me because she didn't know that she had a twin that was not with her. So. But for a long time, she would talk to Cadis and Betis, probably until she was ten.
1: And and then and then she just forgot about it, or
2: no, she still she just uh, she just doesn't talk about it. I think it's because she's so involved right now with her nursing school and you know her life. She's just blossoming now. She's going to be twenty six in January. My full blown experiences didn't really come out until I was thirty. 30-something. It was 1995, 31. So I don't think hers are going to explode out until that same time. Until she's ready. Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, It's strange. We bro- both grew up on Long Island in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. I had experiences when I was younger, too, on Long Island. So Long Island like... was a
2: hotbed, and people don't realize Long Island was a huge... Ex- uh, area of ships and experiences and abductions. And
1: I know in the Montauk experiment, all those things were not far from that whole, Mm. I grew up on the South shore. Were you on the South shore? Oh, I was, I think we talked about this. I was in Montauk. Where were you?
2: Freeport right
0: next door.
1: You're like (laughs) miles away. We were (laughs) towards the water. Were you towards the water too? I was on the water. We had waterfront property. Oh, nice. So you were right there in Freeport Harbor there. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, we were right near the water, too. And, you know, there's the I, I, maybe that whole Great South Bay of Long Island is one of those underwater seaports for these yes. ships because
2: it has to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was my, way
2: too much activity.
1: Because I think my mother's an abductee and she always wanted to live near water. Is your mother an abductee, too? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Where was yeah. she from?
2: My mother actually was raised in
1: Seaford. Oh, wow. Wow. My mother was from Brooklyn, but lived near the water there, too. But
2: Long Island is some is surrounded by water.
1: It is. It is.
2: Even on the Connecticut side, it's all water. It's a peninsula. So if there's that, my mother swore there was an underground base over there. Because we oh, always... She-
1: she was aware of it. Oh mother. yeah,
2: oh. she's the majority of of what I wrote in this book is my mother's log of all of her sightings. I mean, she, uh, hundreds and hundreds of them are documented from 1995
1: until 2005. Oh, yeah, from
2: her journal. From her journal, she kept a very detailed uh, log of every ship that went over our house. Wow. Most of them, Most of them were experienced by not just her, my father, my ex-husband, my kids, my customers, because I used to do, I was a nail technician back then (laughs) with what, Mel?
0: (laughs) I know, I know this. I was going to ask you to share this one. So I'm glad you're going into it. (laughs) So,
2: I used to have uh, nail clients come in and out of my house all the time. And at first it started out in my mom's house before I bought my own house. So my mother's house was like, I'm not sure if it was a beacon for activity or, or we just happened to be in the right spot. Um, possibly we were t- telepathically guided to buy that house. I don't know, but mm-hmm. there was, I can't even tell you so many times we saw something. This one particular night, I always walked my clients out to their car to start their car so that their nails wouldn't get messed up. So I was walking this one particular girl, her name's Lisa, out. It was dark out. This was the latest I had ever been doing now. It was almost 10 o'clock, I would say. It was dark. And something caught my eye in the left side of my peripheral. And I just looked and I just was just guided to walk to the dead end of that street, my own street. And there was a ship. I don't know if you're familiar, Alan, with the high-rise houses that were on Long Island. It was like um, you had a two-level house, and both were pretty much the same. It was called a high-rise
1: in Freeport. Yeah, I don't remember that. So they're
2: they're pretty big, long, wide homes, and this ship or these lights that I saw at the just above the rooftop of this house there were four lights. There were two on the outer end that were really big, kind of like a headlight. And then there were two smaller in the middle. And I said to Lisa, wow, look at that. And we both just were compelled to walk towards the, the, the cul-de-sac. And as we were staring at it, it started strobing. It flipped vertically, started strobing really fast and took off straight up into the air. I said, oh my God, that's crazy. Lisa and I walked back to her car. I buckled her up, started her car and she took off and I never saw her again. She, Her mom came to me about two weeks later to get her nails done. And I said, how's Lisa? And she said, she's still freaking out about what she saw. Wow. She doesn't want to talk about it. I lost two, two people that I was friends with back then because of sightings. This My neighbor also saw something floating across the canal in her backyard in Freeport and subsequently within months moved out she she was freaked out
1: but do you think your that that client was actually or both of you were abducted because that's usually no, no because no
2: because my mom was standing at the doorway oh. and my dad was up in the kitchen window and neither one of them said that anybody was missing time
1: okay. Because it's so, unusual people be so freaked out just by seeing something. Right,
2: exactly. I have thought about it over the years, but I, none of us remember any kind of missing time.
1: And what year was that? Because I, I want to see if it lines up with some of my sightings uh, that it I was had. was in the
2: online. 90s. I want to say it was 90.
1: No, mine were in the 60s. I think I've had experience. Oh, no.
2: My very first one was 67. And then in the seventies, my sister and I had had multiple experiences together, which is why my book is called "The Kings Are Coming" because my sister has was the one who came up with the phrase "The Kings."
1: She what is was that? the one. The kings.
2: That's what she called them, and she would tell me when it would co- when they would come at night. She would say, "The kings are coming," and we'd run into our bed, pull the covers up to our face, and just wait for <laughs> whatever was coming.
1: And do you remember those childhood experiences?
2: Not really, no. I do remember when I was more towards 10, 11, 11 11-ish, I think it was, but not when I was younger. But I have no bad memories at all.
1: Well, I remember, though, being pulled out of my body. Mm -hmm. There was like a bright light, and it felt like somebody coming and pulling me out from the back of my head and was like a numbing feeling. Do, do you have that? Did you have that? too? I've something?
2: had what they call night paralysis multiple times and my son still has them now.
1: But it's not really night paralysis. It's no, it's not. You're, you're in suspended animation from these mm-hmm. beings that are freezing yeah. time and space. Yes. Actually, I write about that in my book. In my chapter, I talk about how me and this girlfriend were frozen In time and space, and we woke up in the same position we went to bed in. And who even remembers that sort of thing? You know, we were placed back in like what I call a time mold. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Out of yeah, we're taken out of this time and space and placed back into this time. So it was. It's. I still don't quite understand it.
0: Do you remember anything else that happened from that experience?
1: Well, I had a mark on the back of my leg. On the back of my knee, there was a four-pronged puncture mark.
0: So, a like square. Didn't...
1: A square, yeah. Four, okay. yeah four... And I've looked on the internet. There are other people who have had those marks. Yes. It was on the back of my knee, which you don't ever look at. Who looks at the back of their knee? Now,
0: just Was just it itchy at all?
1: Or... One knee. Okay. I think it was the right knee. It was a little itchy, and it was like a little, a slightly infected or something. The but, but but somewhat scabbed over. Yes, a little yeah. scabbed over, and it was my mother who is an abductee. I think she'll deny it if you ask her, but because you know, I always thought she was an abductee because she has this irrational fear of cats. And I said, "What is it about cats?" And she says, "It's their eyes. Yes, their scary eyes." As well, nothing scary about the eyes, but also, she the only time she ever lived outside of New York was in 1947, that epic year. She lived in the Southwest in Tucson because she had asthma, okay. and the doctor recommended going to a dry climate. And in that summer of 47, she said she used to get and her and her mother, my grandmother used to get lost in the mountains of Tucson. I said, 1947, you were lost in the mountains of Tucson. I just, it just like with the Roswell thing that same year out in the Southwest, it just seemed like all her symptoms. It just, and, and you know, it goes generation to generation. Yes, so. it does. And she was the one who noticed the mark on the back of my leg. I, because we were out summer at a pool. She says, "What's that?" I said, "Oh, that must be a spider bite or something." Mm-hmm. But then I met Bud Hopkins and his group, the Intruder Foundation. Were you part of the Intruder Foundation in New York? Mm-hmm. They would meet like once a month. Bud, no. Bud is like the Godfather. You know, Bud. Yes. Um, Melanie, I do don't. You know?
0: y- I don't know Bud, but I do know. Gloria Hawker. I think she was part of the yes. New York meet group. Yeah.
2: Gloria- no, I don't think she was part of the New York. She's from here, New Mexico. She knew, Bud Hopkins, she was actually one of his hypnotherapists.
3: Right. I don't he, know who he she trained is. her
0: on the technique. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She has the book morning glory and morning glory ever after. She's also an experiencer.
1: There's so many. M- There's so many experiencers out there. Isn't it just. Phenomenal, like mm-hmm. I mean, Bud and John Mack and I think David Jacobs put out a survey. It looked like at least two percent of the u s population or maybe more had some kind of contact experience yeah. and if you look at two percent, that's like what twenty five million people, no two percent is like no way anyway, went out to a couple it's of a lot. It's a lot, and we keep finding each other, which is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice be, because well, I think we're supposed to be
2: coming accident. together. It's not by accident.
1: No, it's, it's not definitely by not by
2: accident.
1: And that's why I wrote this book. My book is like a primer. Like it's, it's a survey of including Linda Maltenhow and John Mack. And I got an unpublished essay, a previous unpublished essay by John Mack for this book. Cause I, Went to his archivists and, and saw there were some lectures he gave that were transcribed but never published. So I wanted to give people an orientation and also to wake them up to the fact that yeah. maybe they are part of this ground. Yeah. I call them the ground crew. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I like that. We're right. the ground crew. I agree. We're that. So. I think it's really exciting times despite the um, strange situation, the earth people find themselves in. Right. I mean,
0: yes. Tell me more about your book, Alan, and how you got everybody together for your
1: book. Oh, thanks. Melanie. Well, I would go to all these conferences. Cause I, after I found out I had this abduction experience, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to make of it. And I wanted to find out what's going on. So I, would go to all these conferences, met everyone, met John Mack, met Bud, met Whitley. You know, this was in the eighties. I met mm-hmm. all these people and um I just was obsessed with every, everything I could find <laughs> out about UFOs and would go to all the big conferences and um just would read everything I could find about the subject. So, I was just trying to figure out what really happened to me. And um, it just just kind of snowballed. Like it was something strange and unpredictable that had happened and there was no way to really understand it in an ordinary sense. So that's Mm -hmm. what I was focusing on. What really went down here? Who are we? What happened to us? How do we, how do we achieve another level of consciousness? So my book is a survey from the, from the, Nuts and bolts, because a lot of people like MUFON, all that whole organization, they just want to know sightings. They don't care who's in them. I mean, basically, maybe some of them do, but they want to look at like, oh, what's the technology? Why is the government covering it up? And that's one level, just the nuts and bolts, government cover up. And then the next level is how does this affect humans? So I call like the first level, of the investigators and the researchers, like Linda Moulton Howe. She's talking to whistleblowers saying, who are these ETs? What's going on? And then, then I talk to the abductees. The fourth section is abductees and Whitley Strieber contributed a chapter because I think he's one of the, the great, you know, um, historians and personal contactees. His story of communion touched more people than anyone else they were he had 200,000 letters sent to his home after publishing communion him -hmm. and his wife received that many letters so and it was that face on the cover of communion that became the iconic yes he look after he published that book in 1989 and now everyone recognizes that as each I mean probably they don't all look like that but that's so Whitley is really influential. I was really happy he donated a chapter to this book which what that chapter is actually in one of his books called it's a new World If mm-hmm. you can take it when the, what the e t said to um what's his colonel Corso mm-hmm. when they met them he says um this is going to be a new world w- with them here if you can take it mm-hmm. so Whitley calls his book a new world, and then I have. After these abductees, uh, I have the contactees. Daryl Anka, you know who Daryl is? Bashar? Yes. Bashar, term- I know who that is. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. For 38 years, he's had a relationship with this ET, Bashar, which is longer than most human relationships, I say. But, you know, he channels that being who's, a, who's an ET, who lives 300 years in the future, and he's given the earth, the planet, humans, a lot of great wisdom from that, those channeling. So he wrote a chapter, an original chapter. Mary Rodwell wrote a chapter. She investigates Starseeds. And then Carolyn Corey, who is also like a, a merge. She's like merged with these ETs. So anyway, so the book is an overview all from all these different perspectives. And I put my story in there. So people come away. Cause no one, if we've been in this field a while, we know no one has, has the whole truth. No. Because, so you have to put it together in pieces. That was my, um, so it's not just an anthology that people put together anthologies. It's, it's a progression. There's a narrative. There's an art to it, which I think, um, kind of builds towards intensity. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how the book was put together. But thank you for asking, Melanie.
0: Thank you for
2: sharing. We are all pieces of the same puzzle.
1: Exactly. And we all have a unique piece. Yes. So we're only going to figure this out by putting all those pieces together, right?
0: Yes. Right. Getting together and talking and having a conference. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But but what I
1: want to talk about at Human Origins is like, and I don't know if you're into this, tell me if you like, everyone's waiting for the ETs to land, right? Right. But I think they've actually landed and taken over our minds. That's what they call the archons. Have you heard about the archons? I have. The archons are a group of non-physical beings that live off of human emotion. They live off of drama. They live off of this. And they have been here for a long time and they've kept us from our real humanity because they stir up these dramas and people think it's part of them, but it's really this other level mm-hmm. that is working through them. So that's that's really what I want to start. That that's it's not human origins, but it's the it goes back to the beginning of human yeah. origins and how we got stuck in this. I mean we shouldn't be working with fossil fuel. That's no. that's technology that goes back to the 1600s. That's Isaac Newton's second law of thermodynamics. That's, that's almost 400 years old. We've been using technology based on laws of physics that are 400 years old. It doesn't make sense why we're not using quantum physics, but we've only just really discovered that. But I think that's what the ETs are using. So I'll talk a little bit about that too, but... Okay. We've been stuck. We've been yes, stuck yes. We
2: have been kept in limbo <laughs> for quite a while, yeah.
1: and we seem to be going deeper and deeper into a hole these last two yeah. years.
2: Yes, but
1: maybe that's just to free us. I don't know. Maybe it's just to get us so all the all the duality is out in the open. I mean, yeah. I um, think there's.
0: Good, I think there's going to come a time where someone's going to have to step in and put a stop to what to the to where we're going and where we're headed. Because it's it's not going to happen on its own. Somebody's going to have to either stop in, or we're going to have to step up and say, speak, speak up and fight for the planet. Because this is the only one we have.
1: We well, have to say That's it's insane. enough.
0: Yes.
1: It's like, do you, do you have my book there, Melanie? I I open yes, my- I do. Right here. Oh, could you open right the introduction? Here. Go to the introduction. Yes, oh, and um, well, actually, before you go to the introduction, read what's on the inside cover there, just for a second. Right here? Yeah, yeah. Read that for a second. Okay. Yeah.
0: Take a peek into forever where the spirit of adventure can transcend the boundaries of belief and reveal the unknown. It awaits your discovery.
1: That's why I opened it up. And, and in the introduction, I I quote this abolitionist from 1844 who was trying to get rid of slavery because, you know, up until 1860, there were slaves in the mm-hmm. South and, and they were, there was a real passionate group of people who were saying, no, this is time to free human civilization. And, and I equate that moment because we're still enslaved. If we're not told the truth, this is something Linda Moulton talks about all the time. We're enslaved to a greater power that's trying to control us if we're not told the truth. So I quote this abolitionist in the opening of the book. That gives us hope. You want to look at that in the introduction there, Melanie? Do you see the introduction? Yeah, let me bring up. Uh, the, top, the very top quote, it says, there are times in human affairs. Do you see? I just think that's a really good place to kind of get to ground zero. I could read it too. If you... The
0: first paragraph here?
1: Yeah, the quote, no, above that. The, oh, and the introduction? Yes, that... introduction. Yeah, oh yeah, right yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, read that. Yeah, do you want to read that or should I read that? I can read it. Okay, you read it.
0: There are seasons, okay, so there are seasons in human affairs of inward and outward revolution when new depths see up in the soul, when new ones are unfolded in multitudes, and a new and undefined good is thirsted for. There are periods when the principles of experience need to be modified, when hope and trust and instinct claim a share, in the guidance of affairs when, in truth, to dare is the highest wisdom. With William Ellery Can- Channing, The Union.
1: The Union, 1844. When hope and instinct and to dare is the highest wisdom. That's what all of us are doing By stepping out and saying, you know, I think there's something going on. I think there's something else going on here. Right. So
0: So as well, they're not just going to show up, you know, how we how we hope. But uh, we also have to be prepared. And in that that state. And I also really like the back end of the book where it says we may say we want to see them. We may even beg them to come but actual contact is apocalyptic and the future has begun.
1: Apocalyptic meaning it is a total transformation. Yes. Apocalyptic not being bad but just everything changes at that moment. Everything. So this is what we're moving to. This is the this is the future but we need to shake every. I think this is why it's all coming down. Everything's being shaken up. And that's why your conference, I think, is an important marker mm-hmm. to kind of point us in a new direction. So I hope so. It's why we we created
2: it to wake people up, bring people, bring all those pieces together. Whether you believe in that person's point of view or not, they all have to come together. It, it,
1: when is it? It's May 13th, it's May
2: 13th, 14th and 15th in Albuquerque.
1: Twenty twenty two. Yes. That seems great. Well, I'm which excited. From what
2: I hear from a lot of people, is supposedly when the the group called the Ponti that are here in the Sandia Mountains are going to be doing some kind of contact.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Where'd you hear that from? That sounds great. Where?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> there's a group, there's a several groups of people around here, uh, one of which is Sue Walker, who lives here in Rio Rancho, who's been contacted by several different Ponti beings. They call themselves Ponti, but that's not where they come from. I, I'm not sure if she misunderstood what they said or if they just used some kind of word that she would understand. But there's a there's supposedly an underground base, an old underground base, that they have retrofitted for their purpose and have been living under the Sandia Mountains in the caves there for
1: quite a while. What do they do there?
2: It's just their one of their bases.
1: Wow, that's strange. Well, let's go visit them.
2: Good luck trying to find it. <laughs> Where are the Sandia
1: Mountains?
2: They're right here in there. They go from Rio Rancho through Albuquerque. It goes into the Manzano Mountain Range and then the Jemez Mountain
0: Range up further.
1: Oh, so it goes from north to south?
0: hmm Oh. Oh mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can find the telepathy one. Uh, is it the one hundred and one primer? Yes, the yeah. telepathy one hundred and one primer that Sue created.
1: What is that? What is the tele? What does that mean?
2: It's a guidebook on how to contact them telepathically to prepare yourself, open yourself up to telepathic communication with them.
1: And, and have people been doing that? Have, like... Oh yeah,
2: it's been going on for a couple of years now, at least wow. ten, I think, right,
0: Melanie? Yeah, and she has a color book right now, which is great. And they actually um, have four, four, four or six. Now. Okay, four last it was two or three. That's amazing. And then I believe with the primer as well, if you're very, very dedicated and take it seriously and respectfully, then at some point they will come and make contact with you in whatever form that may be. And they're very mischievous, <laughs> so you got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> they I've like had- pop tarts, apparently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you either of you had contact with those beings
0: yes, i have there wow. i have too
2: there was one young they have a lot of new um what does she call them new she get they get a new group coming in every once in a while, and the ones that are on that base kind of become their mentor or guide or whatever and they brought one to my house that just loves to knock things
1: over. They brought an e t to your house. Uh-huh.
2: well they are ETs anyway.
1: But they brought another ET. They brought, they a, brought
2: a, new, a, a new they're like trainees, right? Trainees. Yeah, that's what
1: it is. In physical form. No. Oh.
2: Not in physical form. They're on a different dimension but they are able to knock things over.
1: Oh, so you had a bunch of
2: them. Yes. And oh. it's, it wasn't just me that saw it. So <laughs> um, but I I did have an experience many many years ago with there was a few beings when I was introduced to my hybrid daughter on the ship. And it turns out through conversations with Sue and another gentleman named Jeff Demers, um, who is in contact with these Ponti on a regular basis, him and, uh, oh my God, I, I have, like suck with names today. Kevin? Kevin, Kevin Estrella. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God. Um, are in constant contact with these beings. And I asked Jeff, about this one p- particular being, um, that I had met years ago. And then he came back to me maybe a couple of weeks later and he said, I have a message. Her name is Kananda. And he said, I have a message from one of the other beings. And they, they told me they were shocked that you remembered her, uh, because you weren't supposed to remember her. And I said, okay, why not? <laughs> so I didn't get a straight answer on that, but they they were very shocked that I remembered her. And that was back in 1996 when they showed me my, my hybrid twin. Come on. Um, we have a special guest coming in. Hey, Oh,
3: great. It's the Invisible Man. He
2: wants to know <laughs> he wants to know if you remember interviewing him back a long time ago.
3: Well, let me see what he looks like. Oh, you, a Good thing you're sitting down for this. <clears throat> Here I am. <laughs>
0: <Where did, laughs>
1: Richard. Where did you do that? It was in New York. In New York. It in was... my apartment. In the apartment.
3: No, it was in a studio setting, oh. and I was with uh, Robin Vargas from Mufon.
1: Oh, Robin! I called him the original Man in Black. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my um, my book, Legions of Light, Armies of Darkness. That black and white cover.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I wonder where that interview is. <laughs> so, because that was before good. YouTube. And then, right. It's I good could... to see you after
3: all these years.
1: Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See, for... We're coming together on purpose because okay. you already met him. That's right. That is so interesting. Right, no, I... um, Robin
3: had called me up that day. He says, uh, I'm going to be on the show sure. with Alan Steinfeld. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, okay, so I ended up being on there too. So, <laughs>
1: so. Great. No, Robin was. I, I I could never understand what he was. Saying. He was so odd. I mean, yeah, nice guy, dead. but yeah. I, but he did seem like a man in black, didn't he? Um, he well. He has
3: some issues, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I,
1: I always liked him, but he he was one of the first Mufon people I ever met. He seemed like a really nice guy, I have to say. But um,
3: I'm I'm so happy that we're having you as a speaker at our yes. conference. Thank you. I was you. like Alan. I wonder if you remembers me from all those years ago in New York City. <laughs> so.
1: well, 90, well, 96 It was you said ninety.
3: It was around that time because I had, um, I had published the book in
0: 96.
3: So it had to be in the
1: late 90s. Yeah. What was the interview? What did you guys talk about? We were talking about the book. Yeah. I'm going to go get the cover for you. Yeah, put a copy. You know, I've been doing my show on public access way before there was YouTube. That's why I had so many videos up there. But I have to actually have a lot more that were shot on VHS that I have to transfer. I think think Richards was one of the ones on VHS that I still... I'm
2: surprised he doesn't have... His copy of it on VHS. Oh, I wish he
1: did have his copy because then I would post it. You know, because
2: we have we have um, a VHS from when we were interviewed on a local TV station in on Long Island. It was uh, the Unexplained with Joanne and Janet.
1: I think and I. Know, that was
2: in ninety.
1: Janet, uh, what's her name? Ninety-seven. Janet.
2: Uh, Janet Russell. She's yeah, she's
1: doing the, she the, the show still. Yeah, I know yeah. Janet. Yeah. Issues. Wait, I
2: don't, it's not showing.
1: Oh, you have to take off the background. Oh,
2: damn background.
1: Hold on. Congratulations
3: the on the new book,
1: Alan. That's oh. awesome. Have you read it? Do you have it? Yeah,
3: we have a copy yeah, of it. We have it. I have to read it.
1: Read it. Let me know what you think. I I think Legions of Light. Yeah, I think I have that book somewhere still. <laughs> <laughs> he has a copy.
2: This is, this is the beginning of his now... Oh
3: show my picture on the
1: back. That was
2: him back then.
1: Yeah, that yeah. looks much more familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, you know. <laughs> 20, something 20, something years, 20 years, 25 years.
0: 25 years. <laughs> What's what, that, Melanie? Is that book available?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. still
3: available. If you, get it, yeah. if you go to
1: ufoteacher.com,
2: all of the books
3: are listed
1: there with the Amazon link. Yeah, okay, you can find it on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I'm glad, I'm glad that's, that's still out. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I'm happy to publish a new UFO book, but, you know, it's the more that's out there, the better. Yes. And people think, I, I, I mean, because I got a mainstream publisher, it's out in the bookstores, which really helps.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, so Earlier, when I first said that I was still having experiences, you seemed surprised. Why was that?
1: Because my experiences seemed to have stopped in the 90s. That's why I had experiences in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And then... I don't remember anything like after like 92 or three, although I was regressed recently and thought I had like a a visitation and a dream, but it wasn't the hardcore experiences I had in the eighties. That's why No,
2: I totally understand that because I had there's sections of my memory that I don't remember anything happening. And part of that was from 13 to probably till 30. That I have no memory of anything happening at all, and then it just it went full blown starting in '95 until now. It was really hardcore in the '90s,
1: and now you're not having anything, or oh, you? Oh no, are? I am. Richard and
2: I have have yeah. a lot of. We will wake up and remember all these weird things that we have been either were tested on, or that were in large groups of people and.
3: We'll catch something walking through the house just before it disappears. Yeah. Wow. He, actually,
2: he actually woke up the other morning and said, I just watched somebody walk through a portal in our
3: bedroom. So, yeah. And they actually stopped to look at me with mm-hmm. that look on their face, like, oh, damn, he woke up. Yeah. <laughs> it right. was that surprised look just before they disappeared. And I caught it as I was waking up. <clears throat>
1: But you've had experiences your whole life too, right, Richard? Yes.
3: Yes. What, Since I was wow. four years old.
1: Where were you? Were you on Long Island too?
3: Oh, yeah. Where, where I, were uh, you? I grew up most of my life in Farmingdale. I lived for many years in Merrick. That's hear right, uh, and, me too. too. <laughs> uh, okay. You
1: it's <laughs> a Merrick Freeport. It's a Long Island
2: where Reunion. Yes.
1: <laughs> the South Shore too. <laughs> I mean, more on the South Shore, I think, than the North Shore. Yeah.
3: Well, that's yeah. easy access to the Atlantic right there. Yeah. So.
1: Yes. So they happened to you. I think mine started young, too. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. oh.
2: I actually met him as a child on the ship. We've been paired since then.
3: Really? You remember that? Yes, I do. remember.
2: Do you remember? Do you remember Eve Lorgan?
1: Laura yes, I met her. I talked to her. Okay. I loved her. What happened to her? I don't know, but She's that whole that
2: whole alien bite thing that she talks about.
1: Actually, I quote that in this book. When I met this woman I was abducted with when we were traveling, I, I quote uh, Eve saying
3: yeah. we yeah.
1: were because there was something that just pulled us both together yes. and then we had this experience and then, well, we went out for a while, but you know, we, but, are, yeah.
2: the, we are Eve's love bite also. Wait. But I didn't know the term until I met Gloria here in New Mexico. I had never heard of that before. Have you met Eve? No.
1: Oh, we should invite her to the... We should. It's not my government, but yeah. We could reach I, out I, to I, her, right? I think we did try to, to reach out to her. I don't know what she... she yeah. But she wrote that book a long time ago. I don't wonder what she's even doing now. But she was... Yeah, it would be great to know. see what she's up to. That it was an be. important book. That really was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see her speak at the conference if we could get her to do it. So
1: I might but, have, see, I might have an old number for her, really. But
2: you said you said to me, "Do I remember that being met up with him when yeah. I?" Yes. I I have almost seven years on Richard, so I was about ten or eleven when I. Hmm. So let me back for it, back back. Oh, wait, I
1: just want to say, I do have two numbers for Eve? I'll oh, there you go. Right, okay, cool. cool. So okay.
2: when I was younger. Probably when I started about nine or 10 years old, I remember being on a ship constantly. And I was made the, I was assigned the task of taking the kids who were just brought on board and bringing them to classrooms. That was what I was, because I was one of the older kids on the ship. And there was one particular day that somebody that my hand was placed in his hand and said, this one you have to take care of. At all costs. Mm. And growing up, I even told my mother that there was always this little red haired boy that I, I have no idea who it is, but I have this memory of a little red haired boy and it was him. (laughs) And then we met in 1995, December 11th, 1995, because my mom had met him through the group of UFO people that she was with in a group. And the moment that we met and shook hands, there was this strange zing
1: connection I'm getting chills.
2: And we've been friends ever since. I was married at the time, and I was very pregnant when I met him Mm. with the one that's the hybrid. And he said to me, after we started becoming friends, he said, for some reason, the night that we met, I felt that that one was mine.
1: Wow. Even though we had
2: never met in person on Earth until that time. Wow.
1: Amazing. Wow. That reminds me of someone I... No. Anyway, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you didn't recognize him right away from the being on the ship, but.
2: No, not until we started putting our pieces together and comparing stories. And, and, and you just-
0: together right away, though. That's also in your book, right? You two didn't, didn't get together. Oh, right. no, no. We
2: were friends. We were friends yep. from 1995 up until he called me in 2016 and said, do you want to make this more than a friendship? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I
1: think I'm going to remember that line. Thank you.
2: <laughs> That's great. It was, it was you, you. Were you
1: married at the time
2: though? when he said I was I was married? And I I was pregnant with my third child.
1: And when he said to you, would you like to make it more than a friendship? You were married then?
2: No, no. I have been divorced since 2005. Oh,
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. No, I was, I was single. He was single.
1: Right. Wow. So strange.
2: We've been married almost five years now.
1: Great. And you're doing great things together. Amazing.
2: We were supposed to finally get together to make this to make this all happen.
1: I had a
3: particular experience that kicked it forward in 2016. I was speaking at the UFO Watchtower up in Colorado, and no one told me about the uh, the invisible vortex on the property. I happened to stumble into it by accident, and I hear the voice, usually what I'm communicating with, tell me um, to the effect of, it's okay to call her now. You know, call her, save her the same way she saved you. It's okay
2: and that's like she's ready for you now she's ready for
3: yes i have it in the book actually but
1: wow that's beautiful that is really nice thank you for sharing that that's so that's very sweet
3: years ago i knew about eve lorgan's book alien love Bite, and then when gloria hawker said the phrase i was like Oh, hell, why didn't I remember that? It wasn't until she mentioned it all these years later that you just flooded all back to me. It's like, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Although, for whatever reason, for years, it was blocked off from me. I didn't think of it.
1: Well, for a reason, maybe it wasn't the time to make that connection. And now yeah. you made it.
3: So I, I have to go finish what I was doing. I'll let you guys oh. finish here. Well, stay to in see touch,
1: you. Richard. Yes. yes. To see you and we're again. looking forward to seeing you here in New Mexico. okay. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it, too. Thank you. All
0: right. Okay. All
2: right. Good to so, see you again. Uh,
1: Great. That is so weird that I know him.
2: <laughs> Come on. Okay. All of our experiences and all the knowledge that we, we know have. know
1: each other, right? It's
0: not weird. It's on. not
1: weird. <laughs> well, you look familiar, too, Melanie. When I first saw you, you looked familiar.
0: Yeah. Your voice was very familiar. And when we were talking the other day, uh, I was telling you that I was taken up for classes. You know, you said you were also taken up for classes. And so we you might know we, we might have been in the same class. class i
1: think i was that's not as clear as some of my other well if but, you need a
0: regressionist i'll help you with
1: that well i've had regression but yeah maybe but i will recommend you people are always asking me yeah the,
0: definitely.
1: okay definitely thank i have to go soon myself but thank you
0: well, let's talk about where people can find your book, making contact.
1: Amazon's a good place to start. Making contact Alan Steinfeld in your local bookstore. If it's not in your bookstore, ask for it, okay? I wonder Thank if it's you. in the Ark in Santa Fe. That's one of my favorite bookstores. The uh, Ark.
0: It might be. I definitely have seen it at Barnes Noble oh, yeah. and Noble. Yeah.
1: In Albuquerque? Yes. Oh, that is excellent. That is so nice to know it's like in other parts of the country. So you can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash new realities. That's my YouTube channel. I do sometimes two or three or four videos a day on there. So I'm always putting out uh, new okay. information. I, and because and, uh, I'm also posting old stuff too. I just posted an interview I did with Richard Dolan and Grant Cameron and me from 2016 we're talking about what looks like the coming disclosure in 2016. And then 2017, it sort of started to happen. So it's always so get the book, look at the YouTube, come to the conference and make friends with all of us. Yes. So, definitely.
0: definitely come to the conference.
1: Yes. The conf-
0: early bird ticket. Early bird ticket vendors, sponsors, yes. The biggest open.
1: What, what's the website again?
0: Human Origins
2: Conference, all one word. Dot com
1: great thanks good to see you linda and then
2: linda. linda where can we find your book uh, on amazon or if you go to Ufoteacher.com, that's our website richard and mine um there's a link there for amazon
1: as well right thank you both
2: thank you both yeah.
1: thank you is there Isn't anything else You guys would like to share with anybody? Well, just like I think it's going to keep going, snowballing. I think this whole revelation on many, many levels of consciousness for the human race, it's something's just pulling us together, ripping us apart accelerating us, shifting our frequency, and we're in it. We're in the middle of it. It's yes. like pedal to the metal, I think. That's I'm what they say. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I
0: like that. That's perfect. <laughs> yes.
1: Thanks, Melanie. You're welcome. Thank, Thank
0: you. you All right. Well, okay. thanks for listening to Quantum Healing today, and you guys have a great day. Thank thanks you. Thanks, so much